Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit SchoolAI.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's SchoolAI.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E dot com. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is a continuation of the Summer of AI series, which is turning into the Fall of AI series, uh, but that's okay. I'm excited to have on the podcast today, Karen Athota and Wendy Oliver, uh, both of which who are with Focal Point Education, which is one of the sponsors for the Summer of AI series, and I thank them for that. Uh, start with Kieran. Kieran uh, has always been at the forefront of EdTech Innovations. He's the founder and CEO of Focal Point Education, and he led his de- team in groundbreaking developments in an XAPI-enabled adaptive learning platform and assessment platform and overcame education data silos with Focal Point's proprietary data interoperability model. Now, if that sounds super nerdy, you are right. It is, and that is why... Karen is here on the show today. You're going to love what he talks about. Wendy has been on the podcast before, and she's been uh, had over 20 years of experience in digital education. She's a Tennessee teacher and administrator, and she loves doing innovative things and creating amazing, amazing learning experiences for students. She is the chief learning officer at Focal Point K-12. Uh, Karen and Wendy, thank you both so much for being here. Karen, would you start by just telling us a little bit more about Focal Point? Yes, thank you for the opportunity here to be here. Uh, Again, uh, thrilled to be here. Focal Point has been empowering uh, educators with data solutions. Uh, Look at uh, we have a platform that focuses on data, brings those insights to all the stakeholders, I mean, from a administrators at the state level and the district level to classroom-based teachers and, uh, and, and and students and parents. Where where we excel is we leverage uh, the data uh, with AI 
so that we can provide that actionable insights uh, in terms of teaching and learning for students. Yeah, very cool, very exciting. And as um, as you mentioned later in the show, which we'll talk about a little bit, you have been doing AI for a long time, but the generative AI that came with ChatGPT that uh, allows for much more creativity has has expounded what you're able to do, which everybody has seen and really did kind of come out of left field for a lot of people who were not quite prepared for that. I'd like to ask each of you what people have to look forward to in this episode. So, uh, Wendy, would you like to start? What's the highlight of this episode that people should walk away with? I think one of the things is we're starting to see some some trends and conversations on some of the strengths and areas for growth with AI um, from a practitioner's perspective. And, and some of those areas are opportunities for growth in policy and procedure. Um, and some of those things that we talk about are um, areas of products that are certainly able to, to help educators in the classroom um, and even some innovative ideas of maybe some political ideas uh, of where we're going and what needs to be done in order to actually implement these, these products that involve AI and some of those barriers that need to come down in order to implement them. Um, and that's not to skirt around the technology but in order to actually implement the technology, there are going to be some changes that need to be made. And, and that was a pretty fun part of the discussion. Yeah, very good. Karen? I totally agreed. Uh, I think uh, what was interesting uh, when you mentioned about the plagiarism and how we were looking at uh, different aspects of it. I mean, you know, there is a technology-based way to look at it. Uh, Wendy was talking more uh, in terms of using, uh, you know, the change, the change causing that effect. Uh, I think that uh, discussion was was definitely uh, uh, very open and I think uh, something that will continue and evolve. Yeah. My favorite part uh, that I'm excited about is the idea of finding new ways to assess our students that are not as painful as state assessments. Um, so again, thank you both for being here and we will get to our interview with Karen and Wendy from Focal Point K-12 in just a moment. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. What if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool, it's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teacher save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part, it's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. 
So Karen, the place I'd like to start out is, could you help us understand the difference in the natural language processing used in something like ChatGPT and what machine learning was like in the first intelligent teaching assistant that Georgia Tech delivered? And many people may not know about that, so feel free to give whatever background is needed there. Absolutely. I uh, think uh, just to give a context, I mean, you know, when we refer to ChatGPT, we're talking about the, the generative AI, the thing that caught the world by surprise or our innovation that came in just in time. But folks have been using uh, AI over time. I mean, you know, I was an entrepreneur myself with Focal Point and uh, working with several higher ed institutions. And this use case here is on the Georgia Tech where uh, the, the AI uh, was being used as a teaching assistant tool, right? So uh, when we talk about natural language processing, I mean, you know, the, it's just the evolution of the natural language processing. Think of it as, you know, a chat GPT as an intelligent teaching assistant, right? Uh, which is a lot much smarter, right? Compared to the AI that has been being used, which still, is, is based on that language, but in a very uh, early level. And it's rules-based. Uh, it has it requires a lot more training, but but it would still do the job, right? But now that what's happening is with the chat GPT and generative AI, ability for, for uh, having that assistive tools have been grown in many folds because chat GPT, I, you know, is already came in prepared with with deep learning and a lot of data that the author already has. Hope I kind of explained the difference. Wendy, if you want to add anything, please please go ahead. Well, I would just say, from a practitioner's perspective, one of the neatest things about that particular project was that when they surveyed the students, the students did not know the difference in a human graduate assistant in the control group and the machine learning that uh, they couldn't tell the differences. Uh, and that was really interesting from an experiment perspective. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, it, it obviously saved, you know, saved an Im immense amount of time. Um, and, and one of the reasons why they did not recognize the difference is because through that traditional machine learning, uh, they were able to get the responses that they needed, and it was certainly given in a timely factor. And so if you fast forward, um, and this is where I often like to parallel with Moore's Law, um, and I don't, I don't know how familiar your audience is with Moore's Law, and it does specifically apply to hardware, but essentially, you know, it's, it's a physics concept that the number of transistors on a microchip roughly doubles every two years. And a good example of that is our cell phones, right? So our cell phones continue to get more powerful, but they get smaller and smaller. Um, and so if you think of AI, we're really just beginning with this natural language processing. So if, if we were looking at this Georgia Tech experiment and it was more traditional machine learning and it was that powerful then, imagine where we're going to be in even three years with natural language processing. Um, as far as how responsive it will be to learning and to education um, and to just the language concept of it 
um, and in education, what it can do to personalize learning for our students. Yeah, I, I think that that's really powerful. And this also leads into one of the things that comes up every time I talk about AI, which is that teachers are afraid that kids will use uh, AI for cheating and, and use it for plagiarism. And, you know, I've looked at several different policies that school leaders have created around this idea. And so many of them are just going in the wrong direction. And what we really need to do is is understand that this is a tool like anything else and and find ways to to make it make sense. What what's your thought about students using AI for plagiarism? So I have to jump in here before Karen speaks to this. <laughs> uh, as a former English teacher, any student is going is is and can plagiarize, right? And there are numerous tools out there to catch it. Uh, but but the reality is the best tool is the teacher to catch it. Uh, if I understand and I have worked closely with my students, I can recognize their writing style. I should know their capabilities, uh, but we need to teach them how to use this type of technology for their professions and their careers. If we eliminate it, they aren't going to have it. Uh, they should know how to use it. They should know how to use it for brainstorming. Uh, use it. Use it to help students with rough drafts. Uh, you know, I've been monitoring some Facebook conversations among teachers, and I'll tell you, Jethro, that is the number one concern that I see is, oh, my gosh, students are going to plagiarize. And, you know, I want to say, OK, let's be creative. Let's figure out how to use this tool in the classroom. Let's create some authentic assessments. Let's do some in-class essays. Let's not be afraid of it. I, th I think that response is what is typical with new technology in the classroom. We become very afraid. Um, when I started in online learning, what I found was so interesting in our science classes in the state of Tennessee was that no one was doing any of the online labs, and I couldn't figure out why. So we went yeah, and we audited. Yeah, we went and we audited some of the classrooms, and and what I found out was, as soon as something went wrong, teachers shut down and they went back to the traditional way that they knew how to do things, which is natural, right? And and I think that's what's happening here. Um, is we're just scared of change and we can't be. And then, of course, Karen, you explained it to me in a great way, uh, which is how uh, we're implementing the technology. One of our tools is, you know, well, Karen, I'll let you speak to plagiarism and, and how we're using that technology in one of our tools. Yeah, again, I think 100% uh, with what you said, Wendy, is, uh, you know, it's a change, uh, it's a new technology. So there's that factor. Uh, and it's easy to jump into conclusions saying, okay, hey, it's being used for the wrong things. But, you know, I think that the, the other side of it is, you know, just like the tool can create this content, the tool can also tell that it created the content. I mean, you know, there are many ways to slag it, you know, in terms of this is, so you should not be afraid of using it in a classroom as long as you know, you know it is that it can provide that that feedback. I mean, uh, to teachers or, or uh, to to say, hey, this was not an authentic thing the student has done. This was coming from somewhere else. I mean, I think the tool can provide that assistance to teachers so that they can tell. Uh, so I, I think it's more. 
about ad adopting and, and embracing that new technology. Uh, I don't think plagiarism would be a big factor. Uh, I know there are concerns, but just like, you know, we are looking at innovative ways to introduce uh, this new technology comes with it is these, I mean, to addressing things to these concerns out there. Yeah, I, I appreciate both of your perspectives on that. And I, I would just add, um, I'm starting a doctoral program and the university has a policy against using artificial intelligence uh, that is phrased like this, which I think is interesting, which is basically unauthorized use is what they're calling it. And if you do it without permission from the instructor, instructor is what the real issue is. And so what I think is really fascinating about that is that it's taking a perspective of you have to talk with the instructor and be on the same page about this. And so that is at least a step in the right direction. Contrast that with a, a school principal who emailed me and said, hey, can you teach me how to use chat GPT to get to write a policy that will prevent students from using ChatGPT in my school. So the hypocrisy and irony there is just mind boggling to me. And then I looked at another one that says, hey, we actually encourage you to use this tool and talk about it. And as long as you cite your source and say, I got this from this place from ChatGPT, then it's totally fine and there's no big deal at all. And so as with a lot of things like you need to show your work and show how you got there. And that makes it a much more uh, appropriate way to approach it rather than saying you can't use this or we're going to look for plagiarism. Here's my other piece on this. If you are spending your time and energy looking for plagiarism, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. When that is focusing on when the deed is already done, the act is completed, then you're trying to clean up the mess. And all that creates is more work and more uh, expense for you to try to figure out what happened and trying to catch people doing something wrong. I really believe that the effort should be put into the front end of teaching kids how to use it effectively, how to disclose that they're using it if that's necessary and it isn't always. And I just want to share one example real quick. There's a great tool I love called AudioPen that link in the show notes, audiopen.ai. You can check it out. And what it does is it takes you from your messy thoughts into clear text really fast. And I had an assignment in my in my class that was just to introduce myself. And there are a couple of ways that I could deal with this. I could type in my bio, which would be fine. I have a text expander snippet saved. So I type five characters and then it pops this up. But I wanted to do something different. So I spoke into this recorder and then it rephrased it for me so that instead of long, rambling, annoying, boring speech, it gave me this nice, clean text that I was able to paste into the into the document there. Now, is that wrong? Is that plagiarism? No, it's not plagiarism because how do you plagiarize your own bio? That doesn't make any yeah. sense. But is that, quote unquote, unauthorized use of artificial intelligence? I didn't tell the teacher that I was doing it. And so maybe it is. But then does it actually matter? And do we need to even worry about that? Those are a lot of the questions that people are facing right now. And little simple situations like that uh, matter in this conversation. Any thoughts on that, Karen or Wendy? Uh, I, oh. I'll hop in there, Jethro. Uh, 
first of all, congratulations on your doctoral program. That's really exciting. Thank you. Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that and you, you kind of hit me in a sore spot. Um, so number one, I agree with your tertiary example. I think as long as they're citing their sources, um, that is, it's a great way to use it. Now, I, I don't think it's appropriate to put in a prompt and, and have ChatGPT write the essay, right? And then cite your source and have it do the work completely for you. But, but again, that is a learning conversation with a student. Uh, but to the example of your doctoral program, um, in my doctoral program, for example, there were other participants who rode on my coattails and nothing was done about that. Yes. So, oh, right? man. And so, yes. why was, right? so why was that okay? Uh, but what you're doing, using a tool, but doing your own work and having your own original thoughts, why is that not okay, right, in theory? Um, and it's the same thing with students in the classroom. You know, it's another reason why I always had challenges with cooperative learning groups. You yeah. want to do the cooperative learning groups because children need to learn how to work together, but there are always those students who end up doing all of the work. So uh, again, I, I certainly recognize your question. I, I see that it is a problem and I agree with you. They're focusing on the wrong things. And with that, I just want to share, and then I know Karen, you had a thought that you wanted to share. Um, I think this will be really interesting um, because there is so much dialogue on what is going on with AI. Uh, we are doing some marketing-based focus groups to see what is happening um, from a policy and procedure perspective with AI. And we're doing it um, in several different states with uh, leaders in education, because I truly believe that that is going to drive the implementation um, and the creation of products. Uh, and so I think it will be really interesting to see what those, uh, what the adoption looks like and what those policies look like. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think it's going to vary widely across different districts, but I, I do believe that will shape and drive what a lot of the products look like that are on the market, at least in K-12. Yeah, very good. Ken? Yeah. One quick thought, and I think I would totally agree with what, what you were talking about, Jethro, and uh, what Wendy was talking about. Uh, I think, you know, having chat GPT ability to help students, I mean, write that that bio that you talked about or or, or a paper uh, is is should be more welcome because you are now having the student participate in an engaging conversation. It's not like go find me. A, a paper on this and just give me a read. It's more, I mean, you're working with with the natural processing tool, which is very smart out there, giving you that constant feedback and you are building up this, right? So that ability is more important than just saying, hey, you should not use chat GPT. I mean, because it, you are plagiarizing things. So I think there is a, a lot more value uh, uh, than just saying, Oh, it's not your work. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I so appreciate that perspective, Karen, because it's not just about, it's not just about using it to accomplish work. It's about the process that you go through while using yeah. it to improve your work, which that's what we want, right? We want kids to turn in their best possible work. And so, so let's, let's make that happen. Karen, would you speak directly to uh, how focal point is using uh, artificial intelligence and and what kinds of things you are creating or how you're using it or anything else you feel 
comfortable sharing? Yeah, thank you so much for that opportunity. Uh, you know, we uh, as Focal Point have been using AI for several years now, but uh, ChatGPT gave us a, a different dimension in terms of where we are heading with some of our product innovations. Uh, uh, most importantly, in two two ways, right? I mean, the first that we look at is how do we help teachers, right? I mean, in terms of bringing them back the time, right? I mean, so uh, we are looking at adding teacher assignment scoring, if you will, or teacher prompt scoring to using the chat GPT, right? I mean, that what it also does is it's uh, it's not only just uh, uh, scoring an assignment or a prompt, but also uh, gauges student grasp on, you know, concepts, creativity, is reference utilization and other skills. So essentially, we are getting a multi-dimensional score, right? I mean, it's not just if, you know whether you got a four or a three, but you're getting this data set which is on that different scale, right? I mean, so that that you know again, value there is that we are using that to build that learner profile, which again helps. Uh, from a growth perspective, measuring from a growth perspective, or also measuring uh, and also informing the personalization, right? I mean, the students, how how they would approach the learning. Right? Uh, the second aspect that we are looking at is the student engagement, right? You know, I mean, the, you know, over years, you know, how the investments have been done in tech and a lot of tools have uh, been in the market and we are we have excellent tool in that regard too where we are be able to target a student i mean with a diagnostic or on a on an assessment and say that you know these are the academic standards that we need some kind of remediation or, or engagement in uh, so that part is already there right i mean so what we are looking at is okay uh, how do we make that more engaging for a kid. And I'll tell you a, you know, a simple, small story. And again, you know, I know that, you know, uh, it is very relevant here. Uh, I built the Georgia longitudinal data system, you know, in 2008 over a race to the top brand. Part of it was uh, we had I mean, uh, stakeholders, every part of Georgia, state of Georgia, I mean, from rural districts to urban districts, and part of the requirements, I was part of a team traveling to these places. And here I went to a classroom in rural Georgia and I said, you know, I can, we can provide you this standards mastery dashboard. We can tell you exactly where the student is, where the weakness is and all that. And, and the student looked at me, a teacher looked at me and said, Kiran, uh, I know that Johnny is struggling here. I already know that, you know. You are, you are giving me a fancy dashboard to, to tell me that, you know, the how would I get Johnny from here to here, right? I mean, that is the engagement. And that had a, a, a that, that conversation had a huge impact on my drive back to Atlanta from the district. Yeah. And I was thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm talking about decision support and I'm talking about actionable, inter I mean, all that stuff, but how do I make Johnny engage right uh, um, so what 
generative is is giving us is that engagement. You know, you now, you know, if you take a same example of a discussion or a quiz, now with with Chat GPT, you can gamify it. You can take the same discussion and you can make it role play kind of a discussion. You can make it uh, a, a, a quizzy kind of a discussion, right? So now you are meeting uh, the student in multiple ways. Still mm -hmm. the same concept, but you are now expanding the horizon a lot more. So I think yeah. that is a powerful, huge uh, opportunity uh, for, for, for reaching to that student. Right. I mean, yeah. So I think that's where we are really focusing on in terms of our learning management system. Uh, when the students uh, actually come to a point where they need to learn a certain topic, it's not just showing the lesson, but also trying to engage with the student so that they can learn that lesson. So. Yeah. So one of the things, Karen, that that's making me think of is the professional development that I do with schools uh, around curriculum and things like that is called student-driven learning. And the way that I explain it to people is that that the teacher's job is goes from being a sage on the stage to what has then become a guide on the side to what I call a compass among us. And the role of the teacher as a compass is to point to where the, the thing is that they need to be, the kids need to be doing to get back on track, right? Yeah. And so where I see and what you're saying is, is filling this vision of me is that the teacher's job is really to follow behind the students and notice where they pass off specific standards. And where I see real value from uh, these AI tools is that they can then take what the student has learned and say, hey, even though this is English class, the student demonstrated an understanding of this social studies standard over here that has nothing to do really with what we're talking about here. But because they understood this and said this in this certain way, we now know that they actually understand that piece. It's one thing to answer the letter C on a multiple choice question, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's a very different thing to apply that social studies standard to something in an English or math or science class that is not totally related, but there's no way for the 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 system to know that that student understands that uh, in the current setup of how school works. Does that make sense? Totally, and I think uh, I, I'm very sure, uh, Wendy, you, you are ready to jump in here. So, I mean, <laughs> but you but that is. Running. That is very much uh, how uh, we see. I mean, we call it a progression, and you know, we say how uh, that the scaffolding and the, and the, how these things are all linked. So the system can track that that mastery. Uh, I'll stop here, Wendy. No, it it is it's a concept that Karen and I have actually um, drawn out and worked on for a few years now, um, and I think that the technology is now where it needs to be uh, to allow for it to happen. And, and it's something that I have struggled with from the academic side of the house with, you know, why do these children have to start over at the beginning of every year? And why yes. is you right? And we know from a learning theory perspective that we don't learn in isolation. And, you know, anything that they can do that's interdisciplinary, um, that's that certainly enhances their learning, their learning, right? And that's a much 
better testament to learning theory. Um, but if, if they're if they're learning things in other classrooms, even though they're segmented, if we can document that and if we can demonstrate that, then why are we holding these children back because they're on separate standardized tests or right? they're demonstrated completely separately? So maybe the ELA teacher or the math teacher doesn't know that they demonstrated this in a, in a different class. Um, and if in and, and what Kieran and I envision is that the AI can can really pull in assignments specific to areas for growth and areas for strength, and it can be based on where the child is showing areas for growth. Meaning, if I demonstrate that I sh I, I show improvement or greater areas of growth through specific activities, then those are the activities that the AI can bring in for me, which would then give me a more succinct learning path. Um, and so then students are going to start experiencing success. And so you're going to increase their motivation and their engagement. And, and I think that is so extremely critical uh, for, for anybody's child. But in particular, when we're looking at these children who have not experienced success over the past couple of years, just for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I, I think for me, that is so amazing about where we're at right now, that the technology is actually at a point where we can start doing some of those things and really make an impact that I think is just going to be incredible. And, um, and, and I haven't been this excited about something actually making a change in education for a long time, because a lot of things are just more of the same. And like, even when you talk about engagement, Karen, I think that engagement is not a big enough word to describe what is possible because uh, the the phrase we use on this podcast is enrollment, which is where the kids are deciding to be enrolled in whatever it is that they're doing. Because you can fake engagement and you can pretend to be engaged or you can be engaged and not have any meaning behind it. And what we want is for kids to be enrolled in their own education, be passionate about what it is that they're learning and care about it at a level that they're actually getting the um the things that they that they need uh, that's delivered right to them, uh, which I think is a really powerful way to do things. Picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now, imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool, it's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations, check. Automatic citations, check. Real-time feedback for educators, you bet. And the best part is it's not just about making tasks easier, about freeing up time for higher-level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness, so if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. All right. So uh, last question that I'd like to ask uh, each of you for your response on. And this is something that when I, when I think about what it is that we're doing, um, how do we, how do we make it so that these things, uh, get to kids and that they have these experiences um, without resorting to the legislatively convenient process of 
doing state assessments and the things that everybody in school hates, teachers, students, parents, nobody likes state assessments, but we all do them. And the only reason we do them is because they are something that is legislatively convenient for our government to say your school is working or not. So how do we move away from those things and still provide real value and real uh, evidence of learning for our students so we know how they're doing? What's your response to that? Okay, so I, I have I have to tell you, Jethro, what I sent Kieran this morning at 6.30 a.m. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, I, I have to because you asked this question. So my 11-year-old's getting ready. She's, this is her first year in middle school, okay? And she says, oh, we have another diagnostic today, okay? And so, you know, Kieran and I were prepping for this interview yesterday afternoon. So here's what I said. Reflecting on our conversation yesterday, if AI works like we discussed, the assessment lobbyist mafia might track us down because there would be no need for diagnostics each year. That would be amazing to relieve test anxiety, save instructional time, and reduce error. So I absolutely had to share that, as silly as that may sound that I sent that at 6.30 this morning, but to the point in your question, and as a former, I, I ran a $30 million state program years ago, okay, that was very successful. But when you've seen it up close and you've seen that a lot of things in education are motivated by money and not by what's in the best interest of children, your question makes a ton of sense. And I understand where it's coming from. Yeah. Um, I think what I have seen since the pandemic is parents have realized that they have a voice in education, in public education. And I don't know they realized how much of a voice they actually had prior to the pandemic. I think that that voice and choice offered by parents and then I'm taking a stand in that is really what's going to have to happen. And I think we're going to have to have partners in education, not necessarily vendors in education. Yep. Um, and and I, I don't know uh, that every educational business is a partner with schools as much as they are vendors. Um, and, and so the tools truly are going to have to be developed with teachers and students in mind. And that, that sounds very naive, but I do mean that sincerely. And there, there are a lot of good folks out there, um, but they, that, that I think is what it's going to take is a partnership between schools, parents, and partners, not necessarily vendors and to change what we have experienced thus far. Yeah. I And just to add to that, Wendy, I think that's really powerful. One of the things that I've been saying a lot uh, in the AI space is uh, you as a school leader or as a teacher, you are voting with your wallet and your attention. And so if you are giving time, attention and money to vendors or to companies, you need to be involved in the conversation. And I don't think that every uh, ed tech company wants uh, as much conversation with schools about what they need. They want to solve their problem and sell them a product, but you really need to take the time and work with those who want to help you find a solution. And if money changes hands, that's fine, but they need to be focused on serving you, not on you buying their product. And there is a difference there. And as a principal myself in the past, I've seen when school, when companies want to sell me something and when they want to help me solve a problem and partner with me on it rather than just selling me something. Karen, what would you add? Yep. So, I mean, 
quickly re reflecting to what you said on the on the edtech uh, partnerships uh, uh one of the things that i know we never got an opportunity to talk about here is uh you know it's more important from a student privacy data security point uh that that when when uh schools and districts talk to education vendors right i mean you know uh now, uh, what we used to have are safeguards. I have a server that's secure or some things. I mean, I, your database is doesn't apply anymore. It gets into a bigger uh, open environments. So when you are partnering, looking at that vendors, you got to look at those angles. I mean, you know, I mean, there are guidelines. FERPA is a guideline. You know, I mean, SOC 2 is an important guideline, right? I mean, you know, that, you know, you look for vendors for that kind of a, of a, a, a certifications. I mean, obviously, you know, good old uh, ISO certification, which is a, it's like a gold standard, right? I mean, that the vendors are 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 making sure that they have proven practices, right, in terms of safeguarding stuff. So again, I think uh, the partnership has to be, you know, where, where the choice need to be made based on some of the things that vendors have intentionally made commitments to right i mean you know to 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 make sure that 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 is the security is in place right yeah uh, and and i just want to add one final thought from what uh, wendy was talking about is um, you know we talk about this summative data assessments I mean, end of the years i think the key difference there uh, between, I mean, uh, I mean, the key data point there is that if we have a good authentic uh, way to measure student progress or throughout the year and also across years, uh, then there is really, there is no need to do that end of the year test. I mean, yeah. that's where the challenge is, yeah. right? I mean, you, 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 if you can really get that and i think what we need to look at as stakeholders in this right i mean uh, as ed tech companies as as, as uh, uh, practitioners on the field and, and uh, is that how do we leverage this technology that's out there where we can start measuring that on a day to day basis and then have that report available for any any analysis or any uh, accountability measures, I don't even want to talk about that aspect of it, but you know, whatever that states would decide, right? I mean, so uh, again, you know, I think uh, that's where you start off with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really think that that idea of having the, uh, the content in, having the understanding of what kids know and are able to do throughout the year makes it so that you don't necessarily need that end of the year assessment. Um, and so really it's about finding a way to formalize that so that we can say, yes, here's the certification. I, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and they said, well, well, like, why is this such a big deal right now? And I said, if you think about it this way, that a teacher's job is to certify that a student has learned the things that they need to learn right now, the only way for them to do that where they are trusted is by doing this third-party exam. And one, that's a problem that we can't just trust a teacher when she says the student knows this. And two, 
uh, there has to be a better way to do that, that there's got to be a way for us to be able to manage that uh, within the school year, know what kids are really learning and be able to demonstrate that. So uh, I, I want to thank you both for this conversation. This has been great. If you'd like to learn more about Focal Point, you can go to focalpoint.education and uh, learn more about what they're doing. And it's been great having you both here. So thank you very much. Thank you. Really thank enjoyed you. the conversation. Thank you, Jethro.